TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back. Hour number two of Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Someone just texted in, Joe, have a good show. The show started an hour ago. But, you know, whatever. Uh, It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Our next guest is County Executive Mark Polonkars. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Hope you're doing well. Thank you. You too. And, you know, we have a lot of serious stuff, a lot of um, stuff going on here in Erie County. But, Mark, I think we would both agree that one of the most serious things we can do is raise money to research the fight for cancer. And you partook in the 11-day power play yesterday. How did that go? Uh, it went well, Joe. Uh, yesterday, I was part of the three-hour community shift game between the Western New York Media All-Stars and uh, one of uh, your fellow radio stations there, WGR. And uh, we had a good time. We are on the ice for three hours. Uh, it was kind of funny. I started out with the Western New York Media All-Stars, but the WGR team needed a few more people. So we, I did a mid-game trade. I joked I was traded for a bag of pucks. Uh, and ended up playing with the GR team, which in the end won. But the most important thing wasn't the score or how many goals we scored. Uh, it was uh, uh, the two teams raised $13,000 for cancer research as part of the 11-day power play. And uh, right now the 11-day power play is nearing $2 million raised this year between the, the 40 men and women who are skating for 11 days in a row, playing the world's longest hockey game, and all the other parties that partnered in the community shift. So Molly's going to go to Roswell Park, Camp Good Days and Special Times, and other entities that uh, fight cancer. And that's what this is about, the community coming together, uh, being generous uh, to help uh, others in need and, and try to find a way uh, to, as we like to say in hockey, uh, put the cancer on ice. No, and that's that's amazing. And uh, our meteorologist Aaron Mentikowski is uh, part of that longest hockey game. And I saw a picture of him on day seven, and uh, I think he's starting to feel it. <laughs> but it's uh, awesome work and a great job. And like you said, it's a it's a great cause uh, to finally put cancer on ice. Now on Friday, we uh, all witnessed the verdict in. Kenosha, Wisconsin, Kyle Rittenhouse found not guilty. You tweeted that this is a terrible verdict and a further indictment of many injustices in our justice system. Uh, you want to further elaborate on your thoughts of that verdict? Well, I mean, it wasn't like he was protecting his own house and home. He came from outside the area, actually outside the state, I believe. Uh, this is this is we can't have vigilante justice. 
Uh, I was shocked he didn't get charged for and or didn't get convicted of anything. There's a question about whether or not he would have been convicted of murder, but I was surprised that he was found not guilty on all charges. And it sends a terrible message out that vigilanteism is okay. Uh, we've seen lots of issues in our country in the last few years, and, and the last thing we need to have or can have are individuals patrolling our streets with long guns. Uh, Thankfully, I don't believe that would happen here in New York because of the laws we have. That individual would have been arrested right on site. But we have to restore law and order in situations of of, uh, of, of protests. As I've said, I have I will support any individual's right to peacefully protest. But if they start involving in chaos and other types of things, then they should be arrested. Uh, it's just it sends a terrible message in my eyes with regards to what's okay to do. Uh, regardless of whether or not he was convicted for murder or manslaughter or even an assault charge, uh, just just wrong in my eyes uh, because it's sending a terrible message. Mark, as an attorney, do you think this is more on the prosecution or on the jury? Well, you have to always respect the jury's verdict, whether you agree with it or not. I mean, that's the, the justice system we have. Uh, I, I was not in the room every moment of the trial, so I don't know exactly everything that was done. I saw some things as an attorney that I thought was incorrect that the judge did. So you could you know, with, actually at one time demanding that the jury applaud uh, veterans uh, or heroes. There's just things that you need to do in, in, in a justice system to ensure that it is a, a fair trial. And whether it's the judge, the jury, the prosecution, uh, I guess there's probably a lot of uh, discussion that's going to be talked about this trial for a long time. Now, uh, also on Friday, we saw the uh, as the high school, I was about to say college football playoffs because I've been watching too much college football, the high school playoffs uh, um, going on in Orchard Park and we uh, McQuaid High School of Rochester, that game had to get postponed. Uh, how did this all um, follow out? Because we did have the team on the bus ready to come to the game when they were told they couldn't play. Uh, what is the um, what is the protocol that they failed to play on Friday? Well, I'm glad you brought this up because uh, the standard that we have for uh, students attending school or participating in school activities if they've been exposed uh, as a close contact to another individual is if they're vaccinated and they show no symptoms, they can go to school and they can participate in school activities school football game would be one of those activities. If they're unvaccinated, they need to quarantine. Uh, On Tuesday, McQuaid identified two students that had tested positive. Uh, They then ran multiple tests over a number of days. Now, there is no testing out option, so it's not like just because you test out, you'd be able to do it. But in the meantime, through the test, they identified in total, I believe, 10 students out of a team of, I think, 50 that tested positive and a coach. And they basically were left with, I think, 25 players who were vaccinated who would have been able to play. So we told them they could hold the game uh, and they could play, but they could only play with the vaccinated players who were not showing symptoms. The, uh, the students who were unvaccinated would have to quarantine, which is the same rule in Monroe County, where McQuaid is from, as it is in Erie County. So the rules aren't different. McQuaid didn't like that. They didn't like it because what would have ended up happening is they would have lost, in some ways, what I've been told, some of their best players who were unvaccinated who were not sick. So they kept on saying, we're going to bring our entire team, except for the people who are 
positive. And we're like, you can't do that under the rules that we have. Those students have to quarantine. And it's the same rules in Erie and Monroe County. They didn't like that. They got a court order, temporary, the, uh, the TRO, uh, prohibiting Erie County from enforcing its rules. And the New York State Physical Fitness uh, Association that runs the games said this was wrong. We have to follow the health department rules. Uh, so McQuaid was going to come here and play with vaccinated and unvaccinated students in contravention of both Erie and Monroe County's rules with regards to whether those students could play in a game or, for that matter, go to school because they had a quarantine. So if you think about it, why would you allow a student to play a football game in which you're in very close contact with your own players and the opposing players, but you wouldn't allow them to attend school because they were unvaccinated and they were in close contact exposed to COVID-19. And they have a COVID-19 outbreak. Approximately 25% of their team is now COVID-19 positive in the last five to six days. So the New York State Physical Fitness Association in concert with both Erie and Niagara County or Monroe County's health departments agreed to postpone the game. Uh, there's going to be another judicial hearing that has to be heard. Uh, I think the information was not all presented to the judge about the seriousness and the amount of McQuaid students who were positive. And uh, I'm just disappointed uh, in McQuaid trying to force a game to be played with students who had been exposed to COVID-19 uh, that we know as the week went along, more and more of those students tested positive. I'm fully expecting when they do more tests over the next couple of days, more students will have tested positive. So uh, I, I commend the New York State uh, High School Physical Fitness Association for postponing the game. I think that was the right decision. If they had not been willing to do it and they did it on their own accord, they said this was the right thing to do. If they had not done it, uh, I would have postponed it. Uh, pending uh, further discussion and, and implementation of our rules. McQuay could have come and played with the vaccinated players. We told them that. They knew that. They didn't, and I, I have been told they, they told the judge they, they weren't going to do that because they were not going to have a team that they felt would win the game. So truthfully, winning the game may have been more important than the health of all those involved. And it just wasn't the right thing to do, so it was postponed. Do you think there should be a test-out option? Because you did have every player on that team tested three times since the outbreak, all of them quarantined. Um, the players that were on that bus had tested negative uh, to play that game. I know that's the rule, but do you think that rule could be changed? Well, here's the problem is you can have COVID, as we all know, and, and have it for a couple days, three, four days, and then on the the fifth or sixth day finally test positive. So you could still have it, but not at a viral load that's enough to find it out in a test. So you would have theoretically had COVID-19 positive players on the field. And I know the Bennett team that in the Buffalo public schools, they were very worried. They did not want to put their students at risk going up against a team where there is a COVID-19 outbreak. And every day that's passed, it seems like there's more and more of them that test positive. The test-out option uh, is, is not a perfect option. It's why it's not implemented, and New York State does not support the test-out option. Uh, they actually specifically say they do not recommend the test-out option. Erie County is considering doing a pilot program with a couple of local schools on a test-out option to see if it actually is, is valid, uh, but we're not even in that point yet. 
And here's the other thing, too. I mean, McQuaid uh, and Bennett are just completely two different schools. One's inner city, city of Buffalo. McQuaid is a uh, a uh, private institution uh, where the parents, of course, are paying big dollars to send their kids to those that school. That's good. That's fine. That's okay. Uh, but they shouldn't be able to say just because uh, we can afford to go to court and and over and try to overturn the county's health rules that we're going to do it. It just isn't fair. We have to treat everyone the same. And the rules are, are fairly standard in both counties, Erie and Monroe. Actually, they're identical to the point where Monroe dealt with this approximately a month ago. And a, an individual tried to sue who was unvaccinated but a close contact to participate in a swim competition. And the judge ruled in favor of Monroe County, saying, no, those are the rules. You have to, you have to abide by them. There are ramifications for decisions that are made by parents. If you decide to not vaccinate your child, you can make that decision. But the rules are, if they're exposed as a close contact, they have to quarantine. There are ramifications of, uh, of the decisions that are made. And, and to try to go around the rules because you don't like them, uh, that, is not, that is not good. And, and what we're talking about are children. These are children playing a sport. And what if one of the McQuaid kids was positive, tested, let's say today, positive, but they would have, might have played in the game yesterday, and now they've exposed potentially uh, other children, not only on their team, but at, from Bennett High School, uh, I'd be getting criticized today for not postponing the game. Uh, so I think we did the right thing. Mark, one more thing on this. You talk about a p- potential pilot program for um, a test adoption. Do you think that would be best uh, practiced, you know, for a, a, a practice run in an environment that's outdoors instead of in a school setting? Well, no. Right now, there is New York State does not recommend test to stay. And if they do, they say it's only for classroom activity where you got to wear a mask at all times. So there really is no test to, to, to stay or test to play option for uh, sports teams. It's only for academic schooling. So I, and while it's outdoors, I mean, Joe, you've played sports. I play sports. We know what it's like. Uh, you're huffing and puffing, especially football. You got linemen that are, are basically grappling with each other for two out two and a half hours straight. Uh, it, it, it's not the same as if you're basically going for a walk outside. It's, it's a different environment where you're putting people at risk. And I just look at it as the most important thing we can do is protect people. And when we're talking about children, protect them and to ensure that they don't get exposed to COVID-19. We have a major, major increase of COVID-19 in both the Buffalo and Rochester areas. And we need to do what's appropriate to protect people. And that's why uh, I think what we did yesterday was appropriate. You speak of the uh, the rise in COVID, which is my was my next question. We, we're seeing a rise here in Western New York. We're seeing a, a a rise in New York State, and I actually have two questions. Number one, uh, are we seeing less testing? Um, to get those higher numbers. And number two, you also have mentioned, you know, the next step if these numbers don't go down. We've also heard Governor Kathy Hochul mention these next steps um, if the numbers don't go down. Um, so what, what is the next step if we continue to see a high number of um, positive tests? Uh, we are seeing a very high number of positive tests. The last few days, positivity rates for our testing have been around the 10% level. So in other words, if there were a thousand tests performed, then there would have been a hundred positives, but there were not a hundred uh, on Friday 
And uh, yesterday we released the Friday numbers, and Friday we released the Thursday numbers, and both days were over 770 new cases. Those were the third and fourth highest days we've ever had. And testing is high. We're testing a lot of people. So it's not a lack of testing. Uh, we are dealing with some significant issues. We're, we're formulating a response plan right now. Uh, but we are very worried as people go indoors and there's more gatherings, uh, there's more spread of COVID. Now, not everyone who catches COVID is going to have a serious illness. Most people will have a mild illness or nothing. Others will have a serious illness. And that brings up the second part of it, which is hospitalizations. Erie County's hospitals are basically 90% full, including the ICUs. And as we all have heard, there are some very long waits at the ICUs or emergency departments because they're so full, eight to 10 hours on occasion uh, for some people. So we have to act appropriately to ensure our hospitals don't get flooded as to even more than they are now so that people are dying because they can't be can can't get service for them because there's not a hospital bed, there's not an emergency room bed, uh, and so we're right now looking at all options around the table. Uh, we are not going to go back to restrictions that shut down businesses and things like that. That is not going to happen. But we're looking at other options, including going back to a full mask mandate for all public locations and and, and other options that might be on the table. But I, I say this: I'm not looking. And we're not interested in shutting down businesses. We're not interested in capacity requirements. But if we have to go back to a full mask mandate for all public locations, uh, that is something we're, we're, we're considering. And, and we'll pretty much have a decision in all likelihood in the next uh, couple of days. But we're not going to see the shutdowns we saw last December uh, throughout Erie County or New York State? No, I don't think so. But remember, this is about protecting the hospitals and making certain that they are not at 100% capacity where they're all full. And unfortunately, right now, they're at 90%, including the ICUs. So for us, uh, new cases in themselves are concerning because generally what happens is if you uh, if you get new cases, you usually will have hospitalizations as a percentage of them that'll start within the week that follows. So think about it this way. We had 770 or so cases over the last two days. So we had over... 1,500 cases in the last two days. Generally, 10% of that will potentially, the general number is 10% of those will require hospitalization. That's another 150 people that we'd have to put in the hospital somewhere in Erie County, and we, we just don't, we don't have the bets for it. The hospital leaders are pleading with us to take action. It, it is, the hospitals are overburdened, they're burned out, our, our healthcare heroes have been working almost two years in a row on this, and uh, we have to do something as a community. Last week, I, I did a press conference uh, virtually with Adam Bellow, the county executive of Monroe County, and we pleaded with our community to take action, to wear masks, to get vaccinated if they haven't been vaccinated, to get a booster. If you're not feeling well, get tested to make certain that you are not COVID-19 positive because the the transmission rate of Delta is so much higher. And if you're sick, don't go to school. Don't send don't send your kid to school if they're sick because they're just going to expose people. Uh, and we really haven't seen much change, and, and that's disappointing because uh, we have to do this together. Otherwise, 
we're, we're going to be in a much worse situation. You know, Mark, you talk about we have, we've got the vaccinations uh, here in Erie County. Over 70 percent of the county is vaccinated. Um, now, you know, people are going to get their booster shots. Do you look back at any of the messaging around the vaccine and think there's something different you could have done to convince more people to get vaccinated? Well, I think now, as we look back to earlier this year, none of us expected the Delta variant. If we were talking about the original uh, COVID-19, Alpha, as they call it now, I don't think we'd be in this situation because it's quite clear that the vaccine works exceptionally well to protect people against what was the original COVID-19 Alpha variant, but it's mutated. And it's mutated in the Delta, which is much more transmissible. And as the vaccine, as you as you get more than six months away from your Moderna or Pfizer full dosage or two months on the Johnson & Johnson, it just isn't as strong in protection. And that's why we're recommending boosters. I got my booster shot. Uh, we are offering boosters to anyone over the age of 18, as long as it's been more than six months since their second Pfizer and Moderna dose or two months since their Johnson and Johnson dose. So, uh, and we're, we're doing that because we believe in, in the scientific evidence shows that the booster will get you back up to like hundred percent, 95% or so protection as compared to non-boosted people after six months, they're like at 75% protection. And the older you are, the more at risk you are as well. So I look at it as we have to do everything we possibly can to, to, get people protected so we can just have a, a sense of normalcy. So when we talk about the vaccines, if we had known that there was going to be this Delta variant, uh, I certainly think we may have approached a little differently. But I, the one thing I would have think that would have been done is I don't think they would have lifted the mask requirements by the federal government. I think those would have stayed if we knew that the vaccine uh, could theoretically wane over time. I think we may have done some stuff differently, but hindsight's twenty twenty, Joe, as we all know, like Monday morning quarterbacking about what went wrong in a football game or Sunday morning quarterbacking, depending if it's college. And, and I don't know what happened to Virgins in Tech yesterday. Oh. They won a loss. So. Mark, that's a, that's, a, that's a whole different show. And believe me, we'd still be talking about the kickoff of the Bills game if we got into that. Uh, but, you know, you know, the vaccine, people do have questions, those who are unvaccinated. Believe me, I, I'm vaccinated. I urge people to get vaccinated. Uh, but you've got a concern. And I feel those individuals who have the concerns, they kind of get pushed to, to the side when they when they approach with their concerns, like their questions aren't valid. Do you think there's a better way to approach those who are fearful of getting the vaccination? Oh, I'd tell them straight up, talk to your doctor. Talk to your doctor. Simple as that. Another thing I know you've been uh, asked. If you don't have a doctor, is if you don't have a doctor, uh, talk to a healthcare professional you respect. Uh, another uh, thing I know you've been asked a lot about, but I, I've got to do it, is uh, you, you know we've, we've heard a lot about the overtime being given. I'm not going to ask you about that because I know you've been asked, but I will ask you, what are the taxpayers of Erie County seeing in return for those overtime payments? <laughs> well, you know what, there's a lot of criticism of that. Uh, but I will note every employee in county government based on Labor Department rules other than the elected officials is it, it qualifies for overtime. So it's not like anyone's given special privileges. Every single employee, depending on the work they're doing, qualifies for overtime. So I would just remind everybody that uh, whether it's a sheriff's deputy and the sheriff's office has actually accumulated the vast majority of the overtime that has been paid out 
related to COVID-19 response or a health department employee, uh, it's there to protect the public. And uh, I know there's been criticism on it. I think it's unjust, especially coming from someone who never shows up to work. <laughs> we should be talking about whether individuals who don't show up for work should get a salary. Uh, and unfortunately, as an elected official, they're not required to punch in. But I think it's important that people understand that uh, whether it's sheriff's department, emergency services, health department, or public works employees who are working at our vaccine clinics, uh, and, and, and also we're at their testing clinics, uh, they're doing it, uh, to protect the public. And, uh, I'm just disappointed that, uh, people who are working very hard to protect the public are getting criticized, uh, by those who aren't even showing up to work. And I've got just two more questions for you, Mark. I appreciate you joining me this morning. And something I've been very critical of, you know, because we've tweeted back and forth at each other about it. And that is um, the closing of gyms, which I know was out of your control. Um, but the fact that they still can, they're still on the Department of Health, on the Erie County Department of Health list of places for high risk. You know, we're talking about a virus that is more severe for those who are overweight and obese. And it seems like that's not focused on um, at either the county or state level by the Department of Health when, you know, that could also, I'm not saying lower the cases, but could lower hospitalizations if we put some kind of focus on that. Do you think that's something the county could do um, on top of vaccinations? I'm not saying forget vaccinations, but also stress the importance of a healthy lifestyle. Well, we always stress the importance of a healthy lifestyle. Unfortunately, every county in Western New York is one of the most unhealthiest regions based on national reports in not only New York State, but in the country. So we're always pushing a healthy lifestyle. What I would note uh, with regards to this is just the unfortunate story which happened on Saratoga, in Saratoga County that you just had the report on in BEN just before we started. And that's the uh, husband and wife and, and two children that caught COVID-19. Uh, the, the husband and the 20, the 57 year old husband, 27 year old son, both in good health, no issues, were unvaccinated. They passed, unfortunately, from COVID. And the two, the mother and the other child who, who were vaccinated, they lived. They actually had mild case. Uh, so it just goes to show that you can be very healthy and in, in, in good shape and, and still pass from COVID 19. I mean, COVID is a terrible, terrible. Uh, virus, and it's unfortunately finding ways to take people who are in good health. So the best thing you can do is protect yourself by being vaccinated, getting a booster if you're eligible, wearing a mask, don't going to work or sending your child to school if they're sick, and if you need to know, test your know your status by getting tested, especially if you're going to be in a in an area where you're going to be around people that you're not normally around. Uh, we just want to protect everyone because I hate seeing stories like that about individuals who should be alive but are not because they were killed by COVID-19 and they were unvaccinated. Do you think um, we will ever see the vaccine mandates lifted at the stadium and arena, or is this something people should get used to? Well, not now. <laughs> not for not based on the numbers that we have in Erie County. Uh, yes, there may be a time in the future year where I think we could see that, but I, I believe based on what we're seeing and the expectations from the UB Medical School about how this COVID rise will continue as we finish out this year. I think the vaccine man, well, the vaccine mandate will, will, will be in effect for the remainder of the year. And the same thing with the hockey arena. You have to have vaccine uh, to get into the hockey arena because of these large-scale events where there's tens of thousands of people. I talked to Dr. Thomas Russo earlier this week, the infectious disease control specialist from UB Medical School. He's been quartered everywhere. He's been on national networks. 
and he doesn't think we're going to reach our uh, a point where it, the virus is burned out in Western New York until January. So we may be in for a really bad six weeks. He's also a regular guest right here on Hardline. All right, Mark, before I let you go, I do have to ask uh, your reaction to local elections a few weeks ago here in Erie County and in Western New York. Uh, well, there's two things. There's, there's elections and there's governing. And I learned a long time ago, you need to separate those. So as I say annually to all the people who ran for office, uh, thank you for, for taking on that role. It's, it's not working government today is not easy. And there's winners and losers. And to the winners, I congratulate them and look forward to working with them. If they're new partners or continuing to work with them, if they're old partners, regardless of whether it's for a, a countywide race, a town race, a city race. And to those who, who came up short, who didn't win, I just want to thank them for participating in the system because there's a lot of people who complain all the time, but they never run. And it's, it's an arduous task to run for office. So to all those who, uh, who ran but came up a little bit short, I just want to thank you for running and hope you still have a voice in whatever community it is that you are looking to serve in because uh, we, we need to have as many people participating in the process for our government and our community to work well. All right, County Executive Mark Polonkars. Mark, I, I hope we talk uh, more often here on Hardline. I'll be on, uh, not all the time because it's crazy. Usually on actually Sundays or football games, I'd normally be at the stadium, but uh, watching on some of the issues, but I had to deal with some stuff at home. I got to got to go out and rake some leaves right now, but yeah, I'll be back on. All right, Mark, have a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, you too. Take care. That is County Executive Mark Polonkars. We are very late for news. We will hand the mic over to Neil McManus to get us up to date. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, thank you so much for the kind text on the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board. You guys are just too kind, too kind. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer with you for about 18 more minutes. And uh, tomorrow we will take reaction to uh, Kanye Executive Mark Polonkars' interview. And, and, and like I said, I had some questions to ask. Um, you know, I, I think I, I got the answers that 
needed to, to, to be got. I don't really understand what people want from me. Again, this is, you know, I, I want people from the left and right to feel comfortable coming on this show. And then you hear my opinion show during the week. You know, the, I do try to do two separate things. Um, but, you know, some people just don't know how to differentiate, which, you know, I don't know what else I can say. Um, we were supposed to talk to Dr. Michael Cummings. He uh, was not able to join us this morning. Uh, so we are going to replay part of his discussion with Brian Mazarowski on BMAZ and Beamer earlier in the week. Again, if you want to listen to this interview in its entirety, you can do so at WBEN.com and on the Odyssey app. But here is Brian Mazarowski with Dr. Michael Cummings. I thought this was an extreme example, but a very illustrative one. And that's why I wanted to talk with Dr. Cummings. Does extensive work with kids, extensive work in the field of psychiatry and, and helping kids out. And I sent you this story because I, I thought it was kind of nuts because I'm reading this. And to me, it reads like, hey, listen, kids are so damaged from being out of a classroom setting, from not socializing with each other for a year and a half or more, that our solution is to send them back in front of a computer. I I was going crazy um, (laughs) thinking that way. Uh, When you see something like this, I would imagine that it's just further illustrating to you that there's work that needs to be done. Oh, absolutely. I mean, from day one, I've been a very strong advocate of doing our best to keep our kids in school, and there were certainly reasons in the beginning to not do that. you know, I don't disagree. The the steps taken at Radford are certainly on the far end of the curve. You know, their their rationale, um, at least as it's as it's described in the article, is to really actually prepare the teachers a little bit more um, for some of these socialization challenges. And a lot of schools across the country, and including in Western New York, are doing things not not to that level of extreme. Um, because what we're noticing is, you know, kids, especially younger kids or you know, even teens um, um, and older teens are really struggling coming back for a bunch of different reasons. You know, you look at the younger children, if you have an eight-year-old who's entering, let's say, third grade, they may not have really been around their friends, depending on how strict your school was and how socially distant your family was, since they were in first grade. Um, and school is where we learn to socialize. So, so there's, there's uh, nationally a lot of concerns about uh, by parents. About 70% are concerned about their kids' ability to socialize, and about 60% see regressions. Um, there's some studies showing um, in younger kids a two-year uh, uh, regression kind of social skills simply because they haven't practiced them. I mean, that's you know, the big thing about school is, is, yes, academics are important, but it is actually where we learn to navigate social situations and navigating social situations is how our brain develops. So it's not surprising that there's these struggles. Um, yeah, taking two weeks off from school uh, is certainly a pretty drastic um, move on that school's part. Um, but I think you'll see a lot of schools, you know, they'll have downtime on Wednesday morning where they kind of focus on more social emotional things um, or, or, you know, various parts of the day, the schools are taking timeouts a little bit for kind of, uh, mindfulness and other things. And, and what we're seeing um, across the national uh, venue is, you know, and this is true regardless of socioeconomic status, um, you know, suburban schools, inner city schools, anything, you know, it, it's true across the borders. We're seeing, you know, a rise in fights, a rise in 
and disengagement and you know our rates of depression and anxiety in our children are more than double what they were pre-pandemic so there's a lot of things going on that does not mean that the return to school is the wrong move because to your point at the beginning you know if 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 the evolution of this issue was social isolation and not being at school you know we need to get kids back but we do need to be mindful of their larger social emotional needs um than pre-pandemic times I don't think the issue's been ignored, so to speak, but I do think it's taken a back burner. And it might be kind of rational that it did in the sense that we've spent so much, you know, in the talk about COVID, you're talking about a physical ailment, right? And it's tangible. It's so easy to see, even if it's not easy to talk about or communicate, right? It's kind of easy to see what impact that it might have. And, you know, that's where the worry has lied uh, over the last year and a half. You know, all the talk is about COVID and there's less attention given to, you know, people who bring up these social skills and it almost gets cast aside. You know, social skills, whatever, you know, kids will make that up or that's not as important as keeping them physically safe. Um, How do you talk to people who are of that mindset to make people realize that when we're talking social skills, it's not just about, you know, trading cards with friends at lunchtime. Does that show how out of touch I am that that's, you know, what my first and only example is? But it is really about development and growth. Yeah. So, so I mean, you know, it first, you know, to your first point. In the very beginning, when we really knew very little about COVID and and maybe underestimated its effects to some level, um, yeah, you know, health and safety, by and large, trump anything else, right? I mean, if you don't, if you're not physically healthy and well, then then socialization and and other things, you know, simply won't occur. And, and you're right. I mean, we can argue about how numbers are counted and all kinds of controversy of whether they're overinflated or underinflated. But let's just call the numbers what they are for everyone to see and. And, and that is something that's very easy. It lends itself to a graph, right? I mean, you see the spike go up, you see the spike go down. You see the spike go up, um, and, you know, you know, a year ago, then we started, like, doing more social isolation, closing more businesses, and it goes down. So you see a cause and effect. Um, you can see it in people's primary mode of, of getting their news now, which is on their phone, um, and you can see it really quickly. You know, in preparation for this uh, conversation, you know, I just wanted to re-review what was out there more recently and see if there was any new updates that I wasn't aware of. But that requires you to sit down and read four or five five-page articles to get the meat of it. There's no bullet points there. There's no, you know, I mean, and so even just thinking about it, um, it's, it's, it is something that is less tangible and more difficult to, to do in a five-second TikTok video. Um, on the other hand, um, you know, this also reflects the fact that our country and society in general has ignored mental health conditions for for the duration of our history. I mean, there's more awareness now and there are more steps, but we're still far, far away from uh, looking at social emotional development, depression, anxiety in our kids or our adults, um, you know, than we are, you know, breast cancer or heart disease. And that's to diminish the importance of those two entities. But, but I've said this before, if you take all disability associated with cancer and heart disease and combine it, it's less than a disability for major depression within this country. So, so you know, it really does highlight kind of a cultural trend that's been going on forever um, that is just, uh, you know, obviously more difficult now. And the other thing that we have to remember is 
you know, simply because you're a teacher or, or staff at school, or for that matter, a doctor or, or a nurse or a first responder, doesn't necessarily mean that you're equipped with the skills to deal with some of these issues. Um, you know, it's not inherent to your job. It requires training and thought and practice. And so our teaching staff who are returning under times of uncertainty, you know, they're, they're doing this doubly, right? They're dealing with whatever's going on within their households and then dealing with whatever's going on with, in your household in the school setting. So, so, you know, it's not just the kids who need support at this point. It's also the people who are taking care of the kids and the people who are taking care of the schools. Um, you know, some of the most vital people inside a school or a house, hospital are housekeeping and dietary. Um, schools simply don't work that way without those folks, and they're stressed um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned it's tough to look at numbers, right, when it comes to mental health, uh, socialization skills, uh, all these other um, secondary impacts that the last year has brought about. Um, and I see a lot of these. Uh, I'll see one or two headlines a week. Um, I think the latest one was out of Canada where it says, you know, X percent um, have said that they have become depressed over the last year or that the depression levels have increased by whatever percentage point over the last 18 months. And, and, you know, it's talking about kids, but also the general population. And I I still think that there is, while something like depression has gotten a lot more attention in recent years, I always see those headlines and I'm wondering, like, well, how do you know that? Like, how does that manifest itself? And what would cause somebody to, you know, take a survey and say, yeah, I am? Um, that has to be very hard to pinpoint. How is that manifesting itself in the past, let's say, year or so? Yeah, so it's interesting, right? I mean, in some ways, we can measure certain outcomes. Um, most of the stuff is surveys, and most of it is self-reported surveys. I mean, there certainly are studies there are people doing, but a lot of the data we're seeing will be like census surveys or other things that go through. Um, and, and they're done well, and, and I think in general, most professionals at least believe the trends. You know, it's not the same thing as, you know, a randomized controlled study, which are much harder and more costly to do and, and, and take time. Um, I think we, you know, it's interesting, though. You know, we see increased rates of depression, anxiety, substance abuse, alcohol use, opiate use, uh, overdoses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, by and large, we're seeing a decreased utilization of psychiatric emergency rooms and inpatient beds. Um, So even if the rates were staying the same, people are getting less care out there. And, and And we're seeing the sequelae of that. I know... You know, in the hospital setting where I work, uh, you know, people will comment that patients who, you know, may have severe or serious uh, psychiatric conditions, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, we're getting people coming in for hospitalization who've been relatively stable for three, four, five, eight years. You know, they haven't been in the hospital for a very long time. Um, and there's probably a lot of factors to, the, to that, um, you know, barriers to treatment, uh, you know, maybe uh, increased stress within their household and other things. So we are seeing these, but to your point, it is hard to really count. And a lot of the data that we look at that, that we really trust, um, things like suicide rates and things like that, are usually one to two years behind. So, you know, if I give you stats about, you know, the rates of suicide within our country, you know, we're giving you 2019 stats. Um, so, so we won't fully see the sequelae of, of, you know, the pandemic from a psychiatric standpoint for years to come. And for some of our individuals, kids, particularly those with developmental disabilities and autism, we 
we'll be seeing the manifestations of this, you know, for decades. It'll be hard to attribute to something that happened in 2020, um, but but we're seeing that right now um, within our hospital systems. Yeah, um, how that manifests, you hit on, you might not see that for decades. I'm wondering how it might be manifesting itself right now in not the clinical sense, not the hospitalization sense, and not more of the, well, I, I'm not the one to <laughs> say whether it's a serious uh, disorder or not, but just the general sense of when you see the surveys and there is the you know uptick in, I think, what you would not call depression, but say unhappiness, right? And just kind of a malaise that we heard this a lot during the early uh, months of the pandemic, right? People are working from home all the time. You're going through like the same motions. You're not really getting out there and talking to people. You're, what day is it, right? You, you kind of fall into the fog of this. And I, even though things have gotten back to normal and there are events, I think a lot of that is still around. Um, you look and I can look around the workplace here, and I mean, there's not really a lot of people here. It's just you don't see as many people as you used to. You're kind of walking around, and it could be dim and gloom and dark. You're not seeing faces still in the grocery store. I that has to have some greater impact if there's a, a lot of people walking around, and you can kind of feel the vibe of a, of a room that you walk into, and Hey, this room's a little colder, a little uh, a little less happy than it used to be. Well, you know, humans are social creatures by nature. That's how evolution occurred, right? I mean, that's how we went from being, you know, into small tribes, into big giant cities, and everything in between. Um, so, so, and and I think there's a couple uh, real life examples that, and one you hit on, uh, you know, I used to do my grocery shopping at Wegmans every Saturday morning, and you know. You'd see people you knew, so there's some socialization there. You also saw a lot of people who just happen to have the same shopping time frame as you. And so you don't know who they are, but you make eye contact with them because you see them once a week or every other week or something like that. And people are making eye contact, and people are, you know, apologizing for, um, for cutting someone off or doing something like that. And, and if you really notice, that's far different now. I mean, eyes are down. Um, even with, with the absence of the mask, there still isn't that social connectivity there. And, and to be honest, you know, a lot of times I think one of the rises for, for Instacart and other things like that is not just the, you know, the convenience sake of it, but, but, you know, certain things that were social events on some level, even though they weren't like going out to a party, um, just don't have that same feel. With kids, you know, social media and screen time was already probably the primary way that kids communicated socially. But, School was the opportunity where that did not happen. Now, you know, because of most interactions happening on, on uh, social media platforms or, uh, you know, on screen time for school during the last two years, you know, there's a lot of lack of practice for, for how to interact in a social situation. And that is Dr. Michael Cummings with Brian Mazarowski. If you want to listen to that in its entirety, it's available at WBEN.com and on the Odyssey app. I thank you all for joining me on Hardline this weekend.
Hopefully you'll join me tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock as I fill in for David Bellavia. It is Thanksgiving week. I hope you are all in the holiday spirit. Have a great Sunday. Go Bills. Have a great Thanksgiving if if you're not going to join us this week. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving with your friends and family. Spend it with those that mean the most to you. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 o'clock on WBEN. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.